Logos and Trivigal podcast. I am Chance Lunsford. I am also Logos and Trivigal. I'll let you figure that one out. I'm here with my special guest, Sahil Lavingia. And the reason that I'm here with Sahil is because, one, he's the CEO of Gumroad, which is a company that I use to sell my ebook. And it's basically the company that everybody uses to sell their ebook these days if they're smart because we sure get a lot more money from you guys. And also because mm-hmm. um, my friend Jose had an interview with you that I found quite interesting. And um, through that interview that you did with him, I just wanted to have the chance to speak with you too. So with that, welcome to the podcast, brother. Thanks for having me. I appreciate being on here. So why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself, what you do, where you're from, anything you want? Totally. Yeah. So my name is Sahil, as you mentioned. I live in Provo, Utah, so probably not too far away from you. Um, so we should hang on person sometime. Yeah, man. Um, I was most re- recently in San Francisco. Uh, I moved here two years ago because I wanted to live in a more conservative religious place just have an experience that i haven't had before um yeah i run a company called gumroad i started eight years ago in 2011 as a weekend project gumroad was just like a fun side thing for me um because i wanted to sell a piece of content that i had made this pencil icon and there was no real easy way for me to do that and every place that did exist would have wanted me either to like set up this entire storefront or it was just charging like an insane fee for selling a piece of content that I already had to an audience that I already had. Like I didn't really see what they were really doing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I built Gumroad just that weekend and then, you know, we raised a bunch of money. We, d- we went this sort of very sort of Silicon Valley route. You know, we raised a bunch, we raised $8 million from Kleiner Perkins and Excel partners and Max Levchin, co-founder of PayPal and Naval Ravikant, who's pretty popular on Twitter and just a bunch of different folks um, to build Gumroad and you know take it from like this kind of like weird side project to like an actual company um so we hired a bunch of people grew the company to over 20 people at one point in 2015 and then you know we'd always been growing like up into the right but we hit a we hit you know when you when, when you raise venture like you're kind of you're kind of on this path you know this kind of very exponential path or you hope to be and if you're not things get pretty challenging because just the way venture works um, you want, you know, you want your Uber and your Facebook. And so if you're not hitting that, it's very difficult to raise money. And so we didn't sort of successfully raise money. We had to do a big round of layoffs in 2015, uh, shrunk the team down from 20 to five. And that's when I sort of had like an identity crisis or something where I was like, what, what am I doing? You know, I was so convinced that I was going to work on Gummer basically forever. It was going to be like my Microsoft or my Apple or something like that. And it just gave me a chance to really think about like what I wanted to be doing. And I realized like being in San Francisco was sort of not where I wanted to be. It wasn't where I was learning the most, growing the most. Plus my rent was stupidly expensive. And if you're not like hiring a bunch of people, raising a bunch of money, like being in San Francisco doesn't make a ton of sense anymore. Mm. Um, And then before that I was the second employee at Pinterest. Um, So I built Pinterest for iPhone. I joined them when I was 18. Um, and then before that, I was a freshman at SC in LA, um, which is funny. It's like the school that's always in the news for something terrible. 
<laughs> you never get a break. It's it's pretty funny. Uh, but I was only there for a semester, so I don't have too much too much loyalty there. Um, I went to one football game at the Rose Bowl or whatever, um, and it was fine. But uh, yeah, I just thought I just thought it would be better if I could get paid making iPhone apps than paying to 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 learn how to code, kind of you know as much as a university can teach you. Uh, and then before that, I grew up in Singapore. Um, my family's still there, and I was born in New York on Long Island in 1992. So I'm 26 now. Um, yeah, that's like the sort of the, the short of it. Okay, interesting. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in there that <laughs> stands out to me. Um, yeah. But I, I first I want to pick up on something. Um, yeah. And you said something that I like, and I like the kind of people who say stuff like this, but you said, I thought this was going to be uh, my Microsoft or my Apple, and that's audacious. That's a, that's yeah. a bold thing to hold in your head. And you said, you know, that kind of, you, you had to deal with that at a certain point when things weren't going exactly as you thought they might. Yeah. And I wonder, like, what is it about you that made you think I'm going to be the next Microsoft or Apple or Facebook? And, and, and where are you now after that sort yeah. of forced transformation? That's a good question. I mean, I think it's funny because I don't know. I, you know, like I think people to a large degree are the way they are. Um, I see this with a like, humility. Like there are just some people that are just so humble and modest and I just don't, I can't figure out why that is. <laughs> uh, like I can start, you can like intellectualize it, but at some point there's just people that are, you know, more or less than other people. Um, and I think for me, yeah, like I've always been like a pretty ambitious person. I think part of it was growing up like relatively affluent, um, and like being exposed to like, to people that work really hard and get rewarded for it, you know, versus just people that work really hard and don't get rewarded for it. You know, my parents grew up pretty poor in India and then immigrated to the U S for their master's degree, master's degrees, um, at the city of college, New York, Baruch or something like that. Um, and so they struggled a lot more than I will ever struggle, you know, but that, when, when that happens, you fi- kind of feel obligated almost to like do even better, right? Like, what is that leap? Like, what is the same, you know, like the leap from going from India to New York, right? Um, and like a village to New York City, um, and sort of making it like being, you know, the American dream, right? Like the sort of the canonical American dream. Um, like, what was that for me? And I think the American dream for, for sort of like my sort of persona is is like to start a tech company and to make you know to make something like that really really successful um and so i think i saw that in like a lot of a lot of the people that i looked up to um but i I also think like the 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 sort of the choices i had as a career were like pretty limited too like in this kind of weird way whereas like a brown man like um especially growing up in singapore like in asia like you're sort of like you can be a doctor a lawyer an engineer an architect a software engineer um, you know, like there are not that many, um, op- like I couldn't be a musician, right? Like I would have never considered being a musician or an actor. Um, and so I think, I mean, I'm personally grateful for that cause it, it worked out, you know? Um, but I remember being like, you know, I'm good at math and I'm good at drawing. Like, what can I do? Like there is like architect or product design or web, you know, like something in the tech side of things. Uh, but then I think the other thing was that I was just in a hurry, you know? And I think when you're in a hurry, like a lot of these opportunities, you can't really, you can't be a 14 year old lawyer. That's impossible. I mean, 
today, right? You need like to pass the bar and like all these sorts of things. Whereas the, the amazing thing about technology is that basically anyone can do it, you know, like there's no limitation. You can learn to code. You can, you can Google, learn to code. You can pick up some language. You can build something interesting. You could go use your, you know, your parents' information and go like create a Stripe account or whatever and start like charging money for it. Or you can put it in the app store, which is how I started was I put some stuff in the app store. You know, Apple takes 30%, but you know, they deal with everything for you. And as a kid, I was 16 at the time I started making, you know, just a few thousand bucks. Um, that was game changing, right? Because I mean, even with Gumroad, when I talk to creators about Gumroad, like we have creators that make bonkers amounts of money, like way more money on Gumroad than I ever will. You know, um, a friend of mine made $800,000 in December, just in a <laughs> single month, 890,000, I think something just insane. And obviously he put in tons of work to get to there. It wasn't like a, you know, a month's worth of work, but, um, but the, to me, when I talk to creators, it's often like this first stuff. It's like the first hints of monetization and the first hints of freedom that really people remember, you know? Um, and it's the same thing with me. Like I still remember like putting in an app, like I made a little app, uh, for Singapore that let you call a cab using your phone, um, in 2010, I think. And, you know, I didn't make a bunch of money, but I made like six grand or something. And I was like, that's crazy. I mean, as a kid, like having no money, right? Like an allowance from your parents, right? Um, and all of a sudden having $6,000, that's massive. I mean, that, that opens up the world to you, you know? And it gives you a sense of a confidence that like your, your, all the barriers that you thought existed kind of don't exist anymore. And you're like, I could, you know, there's nothing stopping me from, uh, you know, from making the number one app and making a million dollars or, or whatever, you know, like they're, they're the, 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 the same tools that I'm using um, are the same tools that Facebook is using to make Facebook. Like there's no, there's no difference, you know? And I always like, I think before that I sort of perceived that there was a difference. There was like a me and there was a them and like they had access to special things, special computers, special offices, special internet. Who knows? I don't even know. Like just like this visual in my head of like hackers on, you know, when you watch a movie and you're like, they're, you know, they're just like typing like weirdly on their computer and you're like, that's crazy. I want to do that one day. Um, and realizing like, actually, no, like it's pretty boring. It's not that sexy, but it works. And you know, um, I think that really like opened my eyes. Um, and especially like growing up abroad, you know, like being, um, outside quite literally of tech of all these industries that are talked about all the time outside of Hollywood, outside of all these things, you couldn't really participate. And tech was like one of the few things where I felt like I could participate because, because it's sort of inherently technology, like it's sort of the most forward thinking industry just by the nature of what we're doing. Um, you could actually find these communities online, right. In a way that you couldn't really find, um, in other ways. Like if you wanted to be a lawyer today, I mean, you could probably read up a lot and you could find your subreddit and things like that. But you know, this is pre Reddit, right. Or early, early days of Reddit where like the largest use cases of Reddit were programming, you know, it was still basically for programmers. So, mm -hmm. I think a lot of that, I mean, it's complicated and I wish I could tell you exactly like why, you know, but I think people are, people are weird and you can only sort of guess. That's interesting. I wonder, I have, I have two kind of off, off beat questions. Number yes. one, is, are you left-handed? No, I'm not. I'm right-handed. Hmm. I know. 
And and number like, two, wow. number two is what did you do with that six thousand bucks? Well, so I bought some Xbox games. You know, I was like a fifteen-year-old kid, right? So the first, <laughs> it was funny because I used to think in, in terms of Xbox games. I was like, oh, I can like do this like freelancing thing, and there'll be like five Xbox games, and like pretty quickly you run out of Xbox games. <laughs> like, there's not that many good ones. Yeah. Um, and so I honestly didn't even spend all of it. Like I, I remember leaving, like going to college and like having my bank account in Singapore and it still had like $20,000 in it. You know, I'd made some other stuff too. And I just like gave my bank, my ATM card to my brother. And I was like, like you deal with it. Like, I don't need this. I'm going to go off to college and you know, this money will be here every time I visit or whatever. Um, but it wasn't even like, I, yeah, it's, I, I didn't want it for anything. Like the money wasn't used for, for anything really. Um, it just sort of sat there and it was like a, almost like a scoreboard, you know, it's like, well, how much value can I create? Like how much value can I capture? Um, and it was more about just watching that number go up, you know, over some period of time versus like, I need to buy a car or or what have you. I was living with my parents. Like, you know, it's like, what would I even do? Like if I had a bunch of money, I couldn't really do anything. Yeah, man, I was, I was thinking about that. I was wondering, you know, like you said, you came from a relatively affluent background and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, well, you probably had the things you needed. Yeah. Totally. And so you're probably just like, well, I mean, I might as well just like, I have the things I need. I might as well just set myself this kind of different sort of goal. Cause I can imagine, you know, mm-hmm. I come from a, come from a um like I was never poor I was never I never wanted for anything and my dad's a wealthy guy but he never lived as though he was wealthy he's always just been um yeah very conservative with his money like I would have a nice bike and if the bike got stolen or I mistreated it I'm good like getting another bike for years you know because it's you didn't respect (laughs) it so why would I you know why would I waste my money on kid um yeah but if I had if I had six thousand dollars when I was 16 I would have bought so much weed <laughs> and and, and yeah, that's before you can't really get weed. I did yeah, like I would go out like, and buy <laughs> drinks and stuff with my friends. You know, like we'd go uh, buy a bunch of beers at the the sort of the food court in Singapore, like the outdoor food court. And like, but it's just like you realize like how f- it, it's a weird thing where like you realize both like how far money can go. You know, like six thousand dollars like on beer would last a kid and all of his friends like you. <laughs> You know, alcohol is a very uh, uh, efficient, you know, solution or whatever. Um, but then also you realize like, yeah, I, I think it's not the money that motivates people. Like to me, like some of the most like sort of ambitious people I've met are the people that grew up, rel- not, not affluent, but like, you know, grew up like with their means met, uh, their needs met, but, but never like never spent it you know, like never need, like had the social safety net of having money and it like in case, right. Like in case of emergency sort of thing, but never lived like above and beyond it. Um, Cause I think to me, like it's weird risk and taking risks. Like sometimes I think if you, if you aren't used to it, like even my parents, I think part of it, you know, of not living sort of excessively was like growing up poor. Like you just can't do it. Like you're just so scared of like what if scenarios because you've sort of seen it happen to you or your friends or your family. Um, where sometimes I think the sort of the, the quote unquote privilege, right? Privilege is, is sort of a loaded word these days too, but 
I consider myself like pretty privileged. Like the privilege of not having ever been in debt or in any of these things allows me to like almost be naive about it and be like, cool, I'm just going to go solve this problem. Cause like, what's the downside? Right. Mm. Um, and, that, and you might argue that's like what everyone should be thinking. Um, and that would be a great state of mind for more people to be in. Um, but you know, like I haven't been in a scenario where I tried doing that. And then all of a sudden I was like homeless, you know? Um, and I've had friends that have lived in their cars and stuff. Like it's not uncommon, uh, in, in, in the U S um, and it hurts them. I mean, like some, you know, some of them have started very successful companies, but they're like, yeah, I have to think about this stuff. You know, it's just a thing that is in the back of your mind and you can't get, you can't sort of escape it. It's almost like, you know, just like a, like a, I don't know, like al- alcoholism or something. It's like a thing that will never leave you. Right. Not yeah. to say like you, you make all your decisions every day based on it, but it's there, you know, and it's something to be conscious of. Um, and just part of your identity, right. Part of the way that you will make decisions going forward. And I think just like recognizing those things, like reckon, you know, like I don't bring up my privilege or my wealth to be, to say, Oh, like, you know, to, to sort of make any political claim one way or the other, really. Um, it's more just to say like, look, this is part of who I am. And like the, if, if you want to understand how I make decisions, like you need to understand like how I grew up because those things are related. They can't not be right. Sure. In my view, like it's, growing up in America, growing up in Singapore, growing up poor, rich, like these things will inevitably sort of make you who you are. Um, you know, like the, the, you are who, uh, what you eat. Right. Um, and a big part of what you eat is like just your, your surroundings, right. Your environment, your, your family, those sorts of things. Yeah. You know, um, I can speak from a little bit of different angle because, you know, I, I grew up, comfortable and, and well taken care of and stuff like that. I was never poor and I always had food and I always had everything I needed. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my adolescence and early adulthood, I was very self-destructive. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and I am a very driven, motivated person, borderline obsessive about the things that I get into. And at that time, the thing that I were obsessed about was self-destruction. I was really good at it. And so, so were a lot of the people I was hanging around with, you know, in fact, mm-hmm. they were better at it than me and that's, you know, and they're not. Yeah. Here not. So, but Coming from that, yeah. I can tell you that having the childhood that I had that was relatively well taken care of, you know, I had my dad, I had my grandparents, I had friends and everything, um, mm-hmm. to going through that other situation. Mm-hmm. I like to tell people, look, you don't, I did some things I, I'm not proud of, you know, and you can't take it back. Everything you do, you can't take it back. And it's not as though you can brainwash yourself and everything to forget about things or to never bring them up and just like, cut that part off and eventually it pairs away and you really, you wouldn't access it unless you really tried to. But mm-hmm. if, if you're going to be a healthy person and fully integrate your past, you have to just understand that, yeah, your past, it's like chains, the stuff that you're not proud of, it's chains. It's a weight. And the, you just have to become strong enough to carry it with you. That's the only thing. Yeah. You just, it's like, and if you have momentum, it becomes a lot easier. You know, if you make a series of good choices and you have the world on your side and you believe in yourself, all those things can make that burden a lot lighter to carry, but it doesn't go away. And just like, you know, like you're talking about your past and how it's inseparable from your present and who you are and how you make your decisions. I think that's an important point because I think a lot of people, especially on Twitter and in the self-improvement sphere in general, like to think that, um, everybody should be able to overnight master discipline and master self-control and master their diet and master their money and master their exercise. And it's not about, it's not about 
being the master. It's about where do you, where have you started and where do you end up and how fast do you get there? Um, and I wonder coming yeah. from where you're at and, 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 and where you, where you are, what are some of the things you think have both from your background and your own personal experience, what are some of the practices or tools or perspectives that you've used or that have brought most benefit to you along your journey as far as decision-making practices yeah. or how to, how to parse which directions to turn? Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point just to address that. You know, it's like, it's people do look at it sometimes like you can read a book and be like, okay, I figured it out. Like I know, and, and, and maybe intellectually you have, right? Like you can read about something and be like, cool, I understand why that would work for somebody. But to implement it, like I always think about things and sort of just to answer your question, kind of um, like I always think of things like a, like there's no difference between the, the mind and the body. And like when you do certain things, like you're, you're using your whole person to do that. Uh, so if you go to the gym, like it's a mental exercise, it's a physical exercise too, you know? And I think sometimes people look at it like, oh, it's just a mental one or it's just a physical one. But to me, it's like the combination of it. Um, and so that's something I keep in mind all the time where I'm like, when I, when I read a book, I'm sort of informing mostly my head. But like, if it's not, if that knowledge isn't making its way through the rest of my body, it's going to be very difficult for me to implement, you know? Um, it's because it's like, great, one part, of, it's like, it's like learning how to draw without using your hands. You know, it's like, you can't do it. Like, I can intellectually tell you how to draw or play soccer or play basketball. I can know the rules of the game, but watching me watching basketball doesn't really make me a better basketball player, you know? Um, and most people wouldn't say that I think. Right. But for some reason, sometimes when you talk about weight, like weightlifting or running or painting or drawing or doing startups or whatever, like a lot of people will read or write or, or, or watch, but it's really like implementation. It's application that will physically like train you, um, and your muscles and your central nervous system, I believe at least to sort of go through those motions over and over again. And like, literally just like, you know, like your neural pathways, right? Like get sort of get, um, sort of like lubricated, right? Like it's easier to, to the first time you're trying to think a thought in a certain way, it's really difficult and it gets easier and easier, less stressful over time. I think it's the same thing with any muscle memory that you do. Right. And so going to the gym, as an act of going to the gym and then being at the gym and doing those workouts, all of these things are like literally training you, I think. Um, and actually the best book I've ever read on training um, is starting strength by that Mark Ripito. Um, and it's like, it's a classic. It's just, it's so good. And it's, it's like, you can take the first like three chapters where he doesn't even talk about form or anything. Uh, he just talks about like why people train, what training is like, what's the difference between, you know, training and working out and exercise and all these different terms that people use. And you can just, you can sort of drop in anything and be like, cool, this is how you build a business. You don't think about it. Like, you know, going to the office and exercising, you go, you're training for a specific goal. You need to set yourself up for that goal. Um, you need to think really long-term about it and you need to think about how your day, your sort of today is going to, to build into that. It's, it's like today is that, muscle memory that you're building so that you can go accomplish that thing. And I think sometimes people just think very like sort of, I need like very like a constellation. It's like, I need to do this thing over here, do this thing over there, do this thing over there. And not really like I need to be here and there's like a staircase and you need to like build on instead of just conquer a new a new hill every day. Um, I just think it's, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, people are welcome to spend time however they want, 
but in general, when you, if you want to set yourself apart from some people, you have to get really good at something. Um, you can't typically just master a bunch of stuff. And actually it kind of does the opposite sometimes where you just end up really unemployable <laughs> because people are going to look at you and be like, I have no idea how you fit into anything. Like businesses are typically a system of, of components. And if you can't represent one of those components, people are like, what? Like you kind of have to start your own company. There's nothing wrong with doing that either. Um, but that's sort of what I found, you know? So really I don't know if I answered all but <laughs> well i mean <laughs> i told my friend <laughs> that the questions are just a desperate attempt to make my rants look intentional that i tack onto the end of my rambling <laughs> <laughs> so so <laughs> you know yeah. if you uh, if you find an answer somewhere that just keeps the conversation rolling <laughs> um yeah i, I mean I, I just think it's like you just have to do stuff you know like i just think too many people are like too intellectual about it and I love the, I just love the, the gym metaphor just because it's like, there's no way, like no one will ever think that you can get stronger without going to the gym. Like, like it's a physically a body problem, you know? Um, and sure you have gains in the early days because your central nervous system is sort of like getting used to certain new movements, but still those are physical changes in your body. Right. And I think that, that application to me is, is, or that mental model, uh, for improvement, and is, is much more effective because it doesn't let you overanalyze it. It's like, I just get, got to get stronger. And the only way to get stronger is to go to the gym and like lift the weights and then lift the weights a little bit more next time versus I think it's so easy to be like, I need to read this book and then read this book and read this book. And like, you know, I run a company that helps people sell content. Like I think content is great. There's nothing wrong with plenty of content and buying it and consuming it. I think it's a, but you have to think about where does this fit into my journey? right? Like don't just sort of go on retail therapy, right? It's like a new form of retail therapy where people are just like, they're stressed out. They have a day job they don't like, and they're just like, Oh, I can just buy like all this stuff on Gumroad. And then like six months later, you know, I won't be here anymore. I'm going to be in this better place. And then it's like, well, sure, maybe, but you have to make sure that you have a plan to get there. Like, what is that plan? And how do you reverse engineer it to get to that point? Um, otherwise you're just, you know, you're just a reader, like you're a bookworm. Sure. You know, that's a very important point. Um, and this is something that I try to harp on all the time. You know, I have an ebook on Gumroad and, and it's about, it's about how to master certain aspects of your mind. And a lot, almost all of that book is exercises. It's things to do. I'm asking you to do stuff and then I'm sneaking in the theory as I'm asking you to do stuff. So it's like, this is, this is kind of the thing behind it, but here's what I literally want you to go do right now. And when I'm writing on Twitter, you know, if I have something to say, sometimes I'm doing something poetic or, or whatever, but a lot of times it's just like, look, here's the thing you should know about. And here's what I think you should do about it. And whether or not you agree with me or not, what I'm trying to get out in front of people is the idea that go do something. You know, mm -hmm. I don't, what my goal is, I don't want people to think like me or be like me or think they have to fit in any certain hole. I just want them to decide on something and have a code and some principles that they live their life by so that they can then decide what they want to do. It's all about self-mastery, self-determination, mm -hmm. and having the tools and the attitudes available to you so that you can pick a thing that you actually want to be. Know that you actually want to be that and then go for it. So kind of like you talked about, um, like you can, you can kind of go all over the place 
or you can pick something that's like a, a grand vision. Like you had, I want to have my Microsoft. I want to have my Apple. And that's mm -hmm. changed over time like any great vision does because when you're naive and inexperienced, the world looks very different than when you know what's going on. But if you have yeah. that thing out there that's way far and it makes you feel nervous even thinking about it, like am I even the kind of person who can accomplish this thing? I, well, I, I think so, but I'm not sure, but I'm going to try. And then you go day by day, chunk it out. Here's the thing I'm going to do today, or here's the two things or the three things. It depends on how much time you have, how motivated you are and everything. But if you do one thing a day towards any goal, every day you're closer to that goal. And then at a certain point you yeah. cross that, I'm closer to the goal than I am far away. And then that's when, at least for me, yeah. it's like, oh man, uh, I'm not going to be sleeping for the next few months because I've got to get this thing done and I can't look, don't bother me. I got to get this done. I'll be sleeping two hours. I'll be a little grumpy. I'm sorry about that, but this is important because this is, you know, this is what life is about. <laughs> and I wonder like, totally. do you, do you sleep and do you have those times with Gumroad where you're just like, ah, oh, man, I have yeah. look, nothing else. Nothing else. Yeah. Uh, well, it's funny because, you know, I think just to add to your point, like I think when you have a North star, right, you have a goal that's out there. Sometimes you don't even need to get there, you know, like you, it's, it, it's, it's going to get you closer to it. And then like maybe 10%, 30% of the way. And you're like, actually, I don't need that goal anymore. Like that other thing over there is way more interesting, but you never would have seen that without having made the, the steps and you can totally apply what you've learned and what you're good at, you know, to that new goal. Right. I think some people, they're scared because they're like, I don't know if this is like the book that I want to write or the painting that I want to paint. And so I'm just going to think about what, what I actually want to do. And it's like, well, you can think about what you actually want to do while you do the thing you're currently doing. And those aren't mutually exclusive. Uh, what you're doing is not writing or not painting, right? Which is, which is sort of like the wrong thing, the exact opposite of what you should be doing. And, and um, I definitely have those times at Gumroad. I mean, even now you, there's so many things and I, Every time I talk to a creator and show them like what we're working on, there's just like all this stuff and there's so many ideas, you know, it's kind of when you, when you show people like, okay, this is like the next year of Gumroad, like we're working on subscriptions. They're going to be awesome. We're working on a Patreon competitor. We're doing more stuff with discover. We're redesigning our product edit and, and creation flows. We're redoing our library experience so you can like track your progress and it's going to be awesome. The, it's it's sometimes it's frustrating because like people don't even look at that stuff like they see it and they're like well do you know what's going to be possible if you do all these things and i'm like <laughs> i can't think about that <laughs> because i just need to do these things first you know uh i know yeah once we do the library and discover and patreon stuff like there's more there's always more um but that's i think you know that's also important it's like you don't want to you don't want to sort of you need and, and this is only this is something you will learn you know people will learn sort of over time, I think, but like there's, there sort of, there's attributes to a goal, right? There's like how concrete the goal is, right? Is it, is it something like I need a million dollars or is it like, I just need to be self-sustainable or is it like, I just need freedom. Um, these are sort of, you know, different levels of abstraction and then also different levels of distance, right? Like, do I need, you know, is it five year, a five year goal is a one year goal? Is it a, a one month goal? I personally love goals. I have tons of quarterly goals. I'm a pretty short term person and the, the reason I am and I don't have a ton of long-term goals anymore um the biggest uh I had one goal which was to hit 30,000 followers by the end of the year uh so I did that way faster than I was intending to um but I, I just think like goals goals are a tool right um and I think if goals can help you be incredibly productive 
um, and, and, and competent and, and uh, sort of efficient with your time, which to me is like one of the most important things you can do um, mm-hmm. and learn how to do, then, then that's fine. Like that's the, the thing with the goal. A goal is almost like a lie. It's just a way to get you in a, in a way, in, in, a, in a sort of, in a way of thinking that's going to get you to just to the end of the day, right? Really, mm-hmm. right? Because all you can really do is, is, is like take advantage of, of the, of the time that you have, right? So like goals are just like this sort of made up concept. We can't think of like six years from now, right? Because six years from now, we're just today. Like there's only now, right? Like the past and the future are just sort of ideas in our heads, right? We kind of agree that the past is a certain way, but like we, you know, there's sort of no way of like going back into it or whatever. They're just in books and, and on, in pictures and stuff. Um, maybe that, get, that gets too philosophical, but I, I just think like in general, it's very important to be like, today is what matters, right? And the most amazing thing is that it doesn't matter how rich or poor or how smart or successful someone is, like they have, you know, 24 hours today and you have 24 hours a day. Um, and if you structure your life, um, you know, you will have more time than they do. And that's catch up, right? You're playing catch up. Um, and, 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 and that's the only asset that you have um, that they don't have potentially, right? Someone that you're idolizing. The good thing, the good news is like that's worth way more than any other asset anyways, right? Someone's time is, is worth a million times how much money they have um, and all of these other things. And I'm not disregarding family. And these things also matter. Um, and you should figure out a way to balance those things. But that's time. It's time with your family that you have, right? Um, and those are the goals. Even when I talk to Gummer creators, um, it's very rarely about money. You know, I don't, I don't get on the phone and I'm like, how much money did you make? And they're like, I made this much money. It's normally like I, I bought my daughter a present, you know, and it cost me 40 bucks and thanks Gummer for that. And I'm like, well, you made like $20,000, but they're like, yeah, fine, whatever. That is going to go into my mortgage or whatever. Like, you know, that's great. But really, um, the, the stuff that people care about is, is not the newsworthy headlines, right? It's not the millions and millions of dollars or billions and billions of dollars. Those are the things that make headlines because that's still what, how people think about their own, their envy of other people's lives. But when they think about their own lives, I don't think those are the things that people get excited about. You know, it's just like when I made that $6,000, I was like, I could tell my friends I made $6,000 and that's what they thought was really cool. But when, you know, I didn't actually spend any of it, right? Like, or barely any of it. So it's like, it's kind of this weird, like external, internal motivation. And I think in general, if you're, if you're truly motivated by money, that's going to be really difficult because money will come where it won't come. Uh, it's, 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 you know, it's not, it's, it, it requires people to pay you money to get money, right? It's, it's sort of outside your control in, in that way. Um, whereas things like how you spend your time um, and who you spend your time with and what you're learning with your time, those things are totally under your control. And so that's sort of one of the big realizations I've had is like, what, make sure I know what I can control and then focus on, on optimizing those things, making sure I'm doing the right thing with, with those things that I can control. And then maybe the money comes, that would be nice. Maybe the Twitter followers come, maybe that, you know, that would be nice. But, but if those don't come, I will still be a better painter, a better writer, a better CEO, have a better product. And those are all things that I can guarantee. Right. And so when people set goals, like I need to be here and then those goals have nothing to do with how they're spending their time then it's just like, there's no point. Right. And in my view. Yeah. You know, for me, um, 
I'm on Gumroad, as I said, and it's not like I've been a rampant success or anything, but you know, mm-hmm. I've, I've made more than 500 bucks on there selling an ebook that I, that I wrote. And it's mm-hmm. my first one that I wrote and I've always wanted to do something like that. And now it's there and it's there forever too. You know, as my, as my yeah, popularity totally. grow or whatever, um, that's, it's, it's a forever opportunity. But the yeah. thing about it for me is, is twofold really. It's, it's number one, it's, it's the, it's the experiential effect of, I wanted to write a book and then I wrote a book and then I published it and I sold it to people. And the intent of my book was to help people and then people bought it and they read it and it's helping people now. So it's like, cool. Awesome. I, I it, my heart and my soul feel full because of that. You know, I had, I had a goal, I accomplished it and it gave me more faith in my abilities as a writer. Like you talked about, you know, now I'm a better writer because I sat down and wrote for four hours a day for several months on end and sacrificed my sleep and my time and everything to, to put it out there into the world. And then I did that. And then number two, it's about the freedom. It's about the freedom to choose how I spend my time and using the ways that I spend my time to further the opportunities to choose how I spend my time. It's like opposite of a vicious cycle. Um, Yeah. It's a compounding cycle. Yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I disagree with you so much, you know, it's just like the thing that freedom gives you is more freedom, (laughs) you know? And so if you can, if you, it's, it's, it, it truly is like one of those things where it's kind of like a, it's like there's an opportunity and there's like, you need, you just need to wedge yourself in because if you can just get 5%, 10%, like 30 minutes of free time a day or whatever, a hundred bucks a month, those, those opportunities will grow like crazy because what you now have is a hundred bucks a month or 30 minutes a day. And, and, and you can sort of point more energy in, in the things that got you 30 minutes a day, which will give you more time or a hundred bucks a day, which will give or a month, which will give you more money a month, which you can spend on, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It totally compounds. And so it's like both negative things compound, right? But then also positive things do. And I think, I think people don't really realize, like, I think things are really slow and then really fast, right? Like when you go, you, it might take a while to go from, you know, sort of speaking of, let's say using Twitter, like to go from zero followers to 10,000 followers. It took me like six years or something. I don't know, a long time. Um, and then to go from 20,000 to 40,000, almost, it took me three months, you know, Mm. um, it's not to say I got better, right? Like I am better. Like I think at tweeting or whatever, you know, I have more thought to talk about. I'm a more interesting person just sort of by virtue of time passing. But what you have is an audience that is now sharing your stuff more frequently. The algorithms are noticing that and they're picking you up more. Like there are all these things that feed into that you know, that sort of that flywheel, right. That's spinning faster and faster and faster and faster. Um, and you know, if I had a hundred thousand followers it, growing 10,000 in a month would be normal, you know, uh, just because you're, that's just the nature of these networks. And, and, um, and there's cost to it. What it means is like you, you have all these loud voices that are getting louder as a newcomer. It's more difficult. It's probably never been harder as a newcomer because it's so easy to get started. Um, but what it means is if you can do it, if you can break through that, if you can get past the, you know, the, the, the sort of the, the difficult stuff, the stuff in which most people give up, right? They write a book, they make two sales, they give up, or they don't even finish writing the book. Frankly, most people probably don't even finish. Um, and, and when you realize that, when you realize, and, and this is something I always try to communicate to people, like you don't realize how much work you've already done because I mean, people always look and they're like, there's so much work to do. And it's like, look, I like as someone who literally like talks to creators make work all day there there if you've 
wrote, wrote, written one chapter and like sort of even thought about pricing and like these sort of concepts, like you are probably already past 50% of people. Like you're already in the top half. If you finished writing the book, you're probably in the top 10%. If you're selling the book, promoting it all the time on Twitter, you're probably in the top 3%, you know, it's, 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 and then it only, you know, you're only getting better odds from then on. And if you can get past those sort of those gates, then all of a sudden your competition is way less and you're going to start seeing, um, seeing that growth and compound interest is difficult. If I said, you know, you're only going to improve 1% a day, right? You're going to be one better and then you're at 1.01 and then you're at 1.011 or whatever, you know, and you're just like, this is insane. Right. But if you do the math on like 1% a day for 365 days in a row, I don't know what that math is. Let's see a lot. I bet you're 38 times you're at 38, right. From one to 38 in a year, that's 1% a year. Like compounding interest is very insane. Um, I don't think like human, human brains can't even really comprehend. I think what, like a compounding uh, system does, right? Either to wealth or to your personal growth or to your relationships or, um, or to your freedom. Um, and, 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 you know, 1% a day is, is, is doesn't seem crazy, you know? Um, so, yeah, I, I just think it's important to like, when you, when you have that perspective and that's always something that me and, and Gumra try to communicate with people is like, look, just know where you stand because a lot, you, you're probably a lot farther along than you think. And like, when you get, when, you know, like your journey looking back is, is going to, it's going to feel like that. Um, and it's, it, you know, it's like, and you also can't really, I don't know. Some people like look at me and they're like, Oh, I can't believe you got 10,000 followers in the last 30 days or whatever. And I'm like, well, I didn't. Right. It seems like I did like, but, but like, it wasn't because I, it's not like I was born 30 days ago and now I have, <laughs> yes, there's all of this work that went into that, you know? And so I'm sort of being rewarded in a 30 day period, but for, you know, two decades worth of stuff, right. In, in some capacity, there's this great anecdote about, uh, the person like Citigroup hired this, uh, woman, uh, to design a logo for them. And like during the meeting, you know, she, she doodles like a little umbrella over the, the T, right? The city logo. And, and, you know, one of the executives see, sees her do that. And then, you know, they go through this whole branding cycle and she charges them like $500,000 or something. And then he's like, this is ridiculous. Like you, you're charging us $500,000 for 15 minutes of work. And she's like, I'm charging you $500,000 for a lifetime of experience plus 15 minutes of work. Right. Um, and, 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 and so I think people sometimes like when they're, looking at other people having success or even looking at themselves. Like you have to understand that all of the work you're doing today is valued. It's going to be valued. It might not be valued right now, but it's going into something, you know? Um, and the product that you're constantly making, like there's all the products that people will sell on the internet and put on Gumroad, et cetera. But really the, the ultimate product is your own brain. Right. And, and, and that is by far the most valuable thing that you're creating. And the more that you can, people realize that like it's, it's not about writing the perfect page today. It might be, it might be a thing that goes right into your book with no edits. Awesome. But it might also not be. Um, and if people look at that, like a failure that I think that's a mistake because really you've learned from a page of mistakes, which is huge. That's more than most people will learn today, you know? And so I think to me, that's something I always try to keep in mind is that the, the true product I'm building I'm making is, is my own sort of brain, right? Um, and my own body, right? 
Um, and those things are things that will last as long as I'm around. Um, and if I can put them, I need to, it's sort of like my duty to future self to put my brain and my body in the best position so that it can sort of, you, you know, it, it can take advantage of any opportunities that are available to it, you know? And my, and my, my that's like, that's the job of, of present me is, is to do that for future me. And then future me will go do that for the future, future, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And these are all tricks, right? These are all just like fun ways of looking at life. Um, but they help, I think, and they make life more interesting. You know, this conversation um, resonates with me a lot because a lot of the principles and ideas you're talking about um, are things that I've lived. I've, ha I've had to, out of necessity. You know, I had to pull myself out of the pit. One of the yeah. things I tell people all the time is um, uh, a mistake is life's way of teaching you a lesson. And every time you fail to learn the lesson, the teacher gets more intense and the teacher gets harsher and it will continue to amplify until eventually you learn the lesson or you die. And there's, that's not necessarily true with every mistake, but it's true of a lot of them. You know, if you let things get carried away, if you let things get out of hand, it'll wreck your life. And then the other things that you've been letting slip, they compound and it's, and it really, I mean, you can, it's funny because, you know, we've talked about how if you take steps every day or consistently enough that you keep the momentum rolling, it can, it can go from subtraction to addition to multiplication to then you're using exponents eventually if you master your life and your time and the inputs and the outputs and all this stuff like we've been talking about. Efficiency plus intelligence, um, you know, stacking functions, getting the most out of every second and appreciating it along the way. It's not about being a robot, about being a fully actualized human, but just like we talked about too, you know, your life can get turned upside down in a day. If you make a series of very bad decisions, everything could be out the door. You know, your marriage could be gone. Your business could be gone. Your social reputation could be gone. Just, you could say one thing. And especially in today's very polarized world where everybody's looking for a reason to blame somebody for something. It's like, boy, mm -hmm. you know, there's that certain amount of you better toe the line and you better avoid certain subjects where you, and, and it's, the possibility of having your life turned upside down is very real and mm -hmm. being in your position where you're a CEO of a company where, you know, there's people from all walks of life producing content and putting it on Gumbro and you have these big dreams and now you have this massive following on Twitter that, you know, mm -hmm. you're in the top 0.001% of Twitter personalities. There's not very many people where you're at as far as mm -hmm. following, as far as outreach and especially with all your connections to all the creators and Twitter I'm assuming is a massive driver of traffic towards Gumroad. And so yeah, I wonder totally. how do how do you manage how do you manage the responsibility and how do you how do you stay cautious enough in the things that you say that you avoid some of the pitfalls that someone with a more controversial bent to their um you know their output might run into. Yeah, no, I think that's fair and it's definitely something that you have to think about, you know, um in the in the world that we live in. Um, regardless of like sort of whatever political stance you actually have, I just think it's sort of inevitable that you're, that, you know, haters going to hate. Right. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think for me, it's, it's really about making sure that I'm always like, I, I just say things that I actually believe. Um, I think it's sometimes it's, it's, it's weird. There's like, there's two problems that happen and they're sort of, they feel almost like opposed. Um, one is that, yeah, you, you feel like you have to watch yourself, right. Uh, that you have to be more cautious um, and, and, and sort of provide context, um, or just don't say anything a lot of the time, right. About certain issues. Um, 
And then, but then there's the other side, which is like, you have a following and you can almost know that like, I can, I can just play to the audience, right? Like I know I can get a thousand retweets on stuff that I don't tweet. I know because I, I have enough of those, you know, that, you know, one day I had three in a row or something. And it's just like, I can play that game. Um, but is that the game? Is like, is that truly like, is that my North star, right? Like, is my North star to just be Twitter famous? Like, no, I want to build really cool stuff for creators. And, and I, so I think that's important because I think that, that, that stuff works temporarily or for years potentially, but I think people will notice that and be like, okay, this person is, is, is most interesting to me because of what they see, not what they do. And I never want to be in that position, right? Like I want what I say to be interesting but because it's backed up by actual evidence of me doing stuff. Right. Um, and to me, like, especially what you say is really important today, but tomorrow, even it doesn't really matter. And, and definitely in 30 years, 50 years, a hundred years, 200 years, like a lot of what I say, no one's going to care about some joke. I, you know, that I said that, you know, or something pseudo controversial that got, you know, a, a million people to, to, to view it or whatever, but they're going to hopefully feel and see, the impact of, of a company that I've built or a product that I've built or a book that I've written even, which has a lot more staying power than a tweet. Um, so I think that is always top of mind. It's like, how do I, how do I use Twitter as a tool to do stuff, right? To meet people, um, to have, to become smarter, to learn, um, you know, to grow Gumroad, to acquire users, to get creator feedback, um, and to teach people, um, Right. And, and if I, if I do those things, then I will sort of inherently benefit from it. But if I start thinking like, what can I tweet today? That's going to get a bunch of engagement. That's a rabbit hole, I think. And, and, and it, it, it feels like you're, you're sort of hill max sort of maximizing. Like you think you're, you're like on this crazy ascent and then you get to the top of the hill and you're like, actually there was like a mountain over there I could have climbed, but now I'm kind of stuck. Cause I, to, to get to that mountain, I'm going to have to go down again. And all these followers that followed me because I was funny or controversial or whatever, whatever the, the thing was um, that you figured out, like they're going to ditch me on that path. And am I willing to do that? Am I willing to take the risk to, to sort of actually ditch all this stuff and, and go, you know, and so that's something that I feel is I, I want to make sure that people understand, like, I'm mostly going to tweet about building stuff because that's who I am and what I care about. Um, and I, yeah, it's just, it's almost like this anti-pattern where I have to make sure that I'm. I'm consistently violating the pattern that I'm building for myself. Otherwise I'm just going to get stuck um, in a, with a certain type of audience um, with a certain type of sort of person following me um, that I just don't want, you know, I always want to be growing past that. Right. And always becoming a more interesting person. And inherently that stuff is going to happen not because of what I tweet, but because of what I've done. Right. If Gumroad, you know, is 10 times bigger in two years, that's going to be much more important. Um, than anything I could have said on Twitter, you know? Yeah, you know, I have a friend named Thomas Bevan, um, and he is marginally notable on Twitter. <laughs> but one of the things he said that has stuck with me is, um, Twitter is the flyer, not the gig. And Twitter is a great place to make connections with people and to draw attention to what you're doing and to... Um, build connections with other people. You know, it's a great place for what it is. It's a social network. You can network very good and you can connect on, you know, you can connect with other people's thoughts and, and there, there are ways to just have Twitter be your place and to make money from that. Cause you have things over here that you're siphoning them off. But 
you know, like you said, being Twitter famous, um, it's a thing and, and it can work for you for a time. But if there's nothing beyond that, then what happens if um, suddenly you're deplatformed or what happens if your following dries up because they're tired of you? Or, you know, like if you're not creating something more than than 280 characters at a time, chances are that that run is going to dry up and, and you're going to be stuck in a place uh, that's very uncomfortable and, and you're going to have to make some choices that you weren't prepared to make. Yeah. And so um, I just, I find it interesting. You know, there are certain things I'm always talking to excellent people on this podcast and they're excellent in different regards. They're very good at different things, but there are certain themes that just kind of always come up. And one of the things it's like, look, you have to do things. You have to make things. You can't, if you, if you want to be something more than you are, you have to do something more than you're doing. You have to create something more. And if you want to have confidence in yourself, you have to know who you are. And the only way to know who you are is to go out there and do stuff and to test yourself and then to take yeah. a good honest look and say, what did I do wrong? What did I do right? Why do I think those things? How can I improve upon the obstacles within myself or, you know, skirt them or compensate for them or, uh, and then how can I leverage my strengths to do that? And if you're not, engaged in the process of creation and self-analysis and and brutal honesty both with yourself and then with the world around you i mean it doesn't have to be brutal with the world around you but you kind of got to be brutal with yourself because any any uh, sort of like dressing up the truth to make it more comfortable you're going to know that you did that and that's going to leave a bad taste in your mouth it's not like saying um you know the the proverbial like you don't tell a woman she looks bad in a dress or something it's it's more like no, you know, like you have to, you have to know who you are and where you're going and you can't, you can't paint it up at all or, or, or you're going to start feeding the dissembling part of yourself yeah. and it's going to take over. So I wonder just to kind of flip this back over to you, what are some of the things um, beyond just that sort of engagement Twitter hole that you think maybe content creators might look out for obstacles that they should avoid or you know stumbling blocks that you've seen people over the years run into that have stymied their growth or stopped them all together yeah so just to add on to that you know i i think you're right like you have to be honest with yourself and you don't have to be as honest with the world right you you you're not beholden to the world but i do think you should be relative you should be conscious of when you're not being transparent with the world or when you're holding information back because at the end of the day, and I experienced this when, when we did the layoffs at Gumroad and I was like, really like, I don't even know what's happening. What should I, should, I can't tell anybody about this. What if everyone leaves the, the, the platform, et cetera. <laughs> it was like, it's the anti-deplatforming I was worried about, right? Everyone leaving Gumroad. Um, and, uh, and it was like two years of like, basically I like, didn't even know what to tweet because I'm like my identity, all the things I'm thinking about, just like, you know, like your past informs who you are and what you say. I couldn't talk about these two years that were clearly informing what I was thinking about and what I was wanted to talk about. And so my Twitter, you know, in, in 2017, I gained like six followers or something. Like I started the year with like 18,000. I ended the year with 18,006 or something like that, you know? Um, because it turns out if you have nothing to say, no one's going to, you know, no one's going to discover you or whatever. Um, and, but then also it's like, you're not learning anymore because like a, a great thing about Twitter and this is what I always tell content creators is like, you need to put yourself out there. You need to be vulnerable because at the end of the day, that's why people are following you. Right? Like I really don't believe people follow people because they're smart or insightful. Like that's a part of it. 
Um, but it's, it's about following a human being and seeing them grow and being on a journey in my view. Hmm. Um, that's what I, and I think it's very difficult to really participate in someone's journey if you're only getting their highlight reel, right? Like people always say, Oh, Twitter is a highlight reel. Instagram is a highlight reel, social media. Everyone's living their best lives. Everyone is watching it and getting depressed. And the secret, I mean, it's not really a secret, but one of the things is like, if you don't live it like a highlight reel it's a huge competitive advantage because a lot of people are, and people, people do want that to a degree. Um, you know, people want aspiration, wish fulfillment, et cetera. Um, people have vices, et cetera. Right. But, but people do want those stories. They want to sort of be bought into your journey. And when people pay for your book, they're not saying this book is worth X amount of money. What they're saying is I want to support you. You've given me a ton of free content. I'm just, this is like a way for me to pay you back for that. There are all these different reasons that people buy things on the internet. You know, it's not just pure value for value exchange. And the same thing goes with Twitter. It's not like you're just gaining followers because you're saying interesting stuff. So every day you have to wake up and be like, what interesting thing can I say? That's a part of it. You know, if you have interesting things to say, feel free to say them, but you have to be a human being. You have to be interesting. There's a reason that, you know, there's a lot of content I tweet that could basically be tweeted from my personal account or the government account. And a lot of it I'll tweet from my, from my personal account because I know what that does is it's the story of a human being building a company, which is what all creators can relate to because that's what all creators are trying to do versus Gumroad, which is like an, a, a made up ethereal concept, you know, a Delaware corporation tweeting about finances, right? It's a very different context. And I think understanding that context is really important, you know, and, and, and being okay with that. Some people are not okay being open on the internet. That's fine. I'm not asking them to, but I think if you want to be, and if you want to understand that, like you need, you need to be, because that's what people are really going to want from you. You know, unless you're like, just like incredibly attractive or, you know, there are other reasons people follow people on the internet. <laughs> yeah. <But laughs> luckily we don't have, we don't have to worry about that too much. Uh, but you know, it's just like, you have to be a human being. You have to be interesting and you have to grow. Right. And if you're growing, it's, it's like the, the most, that is the best wish fulfillment you can ask for because that's what people truly want in life. People want to grow. People want to learn. People want to run companies and build products and find financial freedom. And if you can show them your process, like your actual journey to doing that, there's no better sales pitch for your book, by the way, right? Because you're like, look, I did it, right? Um, but then too, like they're bought into it. They don't discover you and you're already a multimillionaire and you have a Tesla or whatever. That's not interesting, right? If Harry Potter started out with like in a mansion with like an amazing family, like, and then he gets into Hogwarts, you're like, I don't give a shit, right? <laughs> yeah, what, straight ma up. <laughs> <laughs> what makes that compelling is, is, oh, it's like this guy in a terrible situation. His parents are dead. He feels guilty for it. Those are the things that you know, everyone thinks he's, he's an outsider. All those things are what make, you know, Cinderella, right? Like these, these, like you look at sort of, especially Western civilization, like you look at these stories that appeal to us sort of on, a, I mean, you think about Jesus, right? Like this is a person who sort of started at the bottom of the bottom, you know, was basically a bastard, right? Like was the worst of the worst and climbed, you know, and I mean, literally ascended, right? <laughs> um, and so it's like, you have, um, I think you have these stories and, and, and you have to understand why they are stories. Why are they the stories that we tell to ourselves and have been for a, a long period of time? Um, 
And then you have to realize you are one of the stories, right? You are only a story to everybody else, right? To you, you are the center of the universe. You are so important. You have all these amazing ideas. And everyone else, you're just a side character, you know? You're just, you know, non-player character, merchant over there or whatever, um, which is fine. Uh, but you just need to understand that you, if you want to be compelling and interesting to other people, you need to have an interesting story because those are, those are the things that people engage with. They don't engage with like, oh, you're my barista in my coffee shop, right? What they engage with is like who you are, what you do, where you go to school, what you want to do, what your aspirations are. Do you bike to work or not? You know, like these are the things that make up an identity. And, and, and if, you, if you don't have that on Twitter, if you're only on Twitter to spew knowledge, it doesn't really matter how smart you are. And I'm sure you could be, you know, sort of uh, Steve Hawking smart. No one's going to care because people people need both sides of, of the coin and you can't, you know, start, start talking about humility and things, right? Like you need, you can't be humble unless you are vulnerable. That is sort of like what humility is. I think to people is to say, look, these are parts of my life that I'm not necessarily proud of, but they've informed me. They are part of who I am. I'm not going to pretend that they didn't happen. And it's only going to make the interesting stuff you say better because what it does is it provides context for you having those insights. It's not like, Hey, this is how I go to the gym. It's like, this is how I had to go to the gym because I didn't even have a gym because I grew up in the ghetto in Detroit. And like the only play, the only like bar that I could find was that was taller, you know, high enough for me was here. And here's a photo of it. And now I'm going to tell you about how I work out with, without weights or whatever. That is super compelling to people. And you're selling a story, you're selling a dream, you know? Um, and, and, I mean, that, you know, when you, when you look at like uh, charities, right? Like often they're not just like, hey, give us 50 bucks. What they're saying is, hey, give us 50 bucks. We're going to plan a well. This is the village. These are the people in the village. This is the goat that you can buy. This is, you know, like this, the, what they're doing is they're telling stories, right? Um, because that's, the, that's like how we as humans communicate to each other. I mean, if you can't do that, or if you're not even if you can't do that, if you don't do that, if you, if you don't realize what you're doing is trying to tell a story with every single thing that you say, you're adding onto that story. You're not, you're, you're sort of doing yourself a disservice, you know? Um, so I know that was kind of a rant, <laughs> but that's what you do. I mean, that's what, you know, Gumroad is compelling to people because we're, we've been open about our journey and our story and people feel that, you know, and people are like, cool. This is not just some mega corporation in the middle of nowhere. I have no idea who works at this thing. It's just a bunch of people trying to figure it out that stumbled upon this idea. And that is interesting. That is relatable. That is a, a group of people that I want to see succeed. And I will participate in their success and help them succeed by my own success. To me, I mean, that is like the best marketing you could do. Hmm. You know, just to touch on a couple of things mm -hmm. you talked about there, I can tell you from my own personal experience, yeah. I was on MySpace back in the day, 10 plus years ago. And then I was never on social media until just like late last year. And when I came to social media, I mean, I'm 33 years old. Uh, it was, you know, I came because I felt called. And the reason that I felt called is because I do have a story. And my story mm -hmm. is one where I'm like, I was as worse. I was as bad off as you can be and make it, you know, and stay alive. And then now I'm thriving and I'm in good shape. And, uh, you know, I have all these things going right in my life and I have these weaknesses, which I can admit to, and I've struggled with them. And now I've built things, behaviors and, and roadblocks to those kind of situations in my life. And it's like, look, 
I'm a smart guy and everything, but I've made all the mistakes. I've made way more mistakes than you're likely to ever make in your whole life about, about way more things than you're likely to make them over with. And I overcame them. And the reason that I overcame them is because of this and this, these are the tools. This is how I did it. These are the reasons that I did it. Here's what I learned along the way. And when I mm-hmm. came to Twitter, um, you know, very quickly I was invited to um, write some guest posts on blogs and uh, have an essay included in a compendium. And, and I said, Oh, okay. You know, people are really connecting with this. Well, why is that? And I'm a very systematic, almost sort of fungal thinker in the way that I think it's all about web. It's all about connections. It's all about how does this to this, to this, and then let's go sideways and let's draw the big web. And, and then, so, uh, okay. I started getting into memetics and narrative warfare and that took me down this deep rabbit hole of like, here's what, here's what the governments have been doing and here's, and it's all been going on for this many decades and stuff. But the point of all of that stuff is truly just the power of story. We are story driven creatures. Even if you think you're not, you are, it's your life story. The reason that you have these goals or, you know, like the, the North stars, like, because you want to have that journey where when you look back at your life, you say, that was a damn good life. And I am damn glad that I lived it because uh, I did the things that I believed in and I made mistakes, but I learned from them. And I had the people that I cared about who I was able to enhance their lives. And when you're in a position like you are, where it's like, look, I'm enhancing the lives of thousands of creators who are enhancing the lives of tens of thousands of people who are consuming their material and doing something about it. Maybe not all of them are, but I'm also trying to build tools to enhance their ability to, to leverage their customers into actually taking the advice that they're offering them. And I'm sure, yeah, that's a very satisfying place to be for you. And, and it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of dedication and and all that stuff. But now you have 40,000 followers on Twitter. You have this company that's servicing all these people and enhancing all these lives. And so I wonder you're there, you're experiencing this life and it's kind of like, this is, this is where you wanted to be. You're doing what you want to do now. You know, you had this thing you wanted to do. Now you're actually doing it and maybe it looks different than it. You thought it would at the start. But what do you, I mean, I talked to Alexander Cortez just a little while ago and he basically just told me, look, I just, I just wake up and I do whatever I want. I don't have the pressures. I don't have the stress. And that's different from your situation, obviously, but you know, you're Mm. in, you're in the place you wanted to get to and doing the things that you wanted to do. So, I mean, kind of what comes next, but also what does living that life that you're in now where you're, you're doing the meaningful work that you intended to do, what kind of perspectives does that offer you? What kind of things have you learned that maybe a person who's never experienced that might not have had the chance to experience, like give them something to think about where they might be if they really did apply all the things they, they know they should be doing already, basically. Yeah, totally. I mean, what, you know, just, just to add on just to what you said, I think, you know, about this, the whole idea, it is your life story, right? And it's also important to understand that because I think it's, it's what makes change difficult and behaviors and habits difficult because you have a story of who you are and you're actively trying to change that, which is very difficult. It's like if Harry Potter did something out of the blue, you'd be like, that's not believable. Like he needed a reason to do that in order to violate his sort of his narrative, right? Um, and, and, and that's why there are, you know, these plot points, that's what plot devices do is they create opportunities for characters to change basically. Um, and so you need to do the same thing for yourself. Right. And so I think the story thing is a, such a great metaphor for, for, for almost everything. And so I just want to add that cause I a hundred percent agree. Um, I think, yeah, I am sort of where I've wanted to be. I'm running a company. I sort of have ultimate freedom. I can work from wherever I want. 
I can hire whoever I want. I sort of have like basically an un- it's not an unlimited amount of money, but it's more money than I know what to do with, like $60,000 a month in profit. That's the company's profit, not my own personal profit. I still pay myself basically what I paid myself three years ago, which is $10,000 a month, just because it's a nice round number and I don't have to think about it, um, which gives me enough flexibility to sort of basically do whatever I want, especially in Utah. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, I don't know how much, how far that money would go, would go in San Francisco. At this point, that's not even a notable wage over there. Um, I think in terms of perspective, like, you know, it's, it's freeing, but it's also, yeah, you just, you just feel like, okay, I can do whatever I want. And, and, and I think there's some people that can handle that super well. Like a friend of mine, Naval, he's like this too. He's like, I just, I don't have a schedule. I don't have a calendar. I just wake up and do whatever I want. I'm like, man, if I did that, I would go crazy because there's a lot of things I want to do that are unhealthy or, or, you know, just like not productive. Like I, I, I sort of need to force myself to live a life that, that is sort of almost beneath me in a way. Um, like people think, Oh, you're like, you don't need to do this. Like you're, you know, you're at whatever stage in your life. And I'm like, well, I'm 26. Like I'm not that old. I, and I don't want to sort of have eight hours of free time a day. I would go crazy. So I'm going to have a calendar. I'm going to have a gym routine. I'm going to sign up for local art classes or whatever. Like I'm going to give myself that structure so that I don't go off the walls. Um, because to me, like, I'm still trying to learn. I'm still trying to get better at these certain skills. And it's very easy when you don't need to get better at those things anymore to just say, never mind, I'm good, you know? Um, and to me, that's the recipe for depression and for disaster and for sort of like self-destruction. Because I think so much of life is about an expectation of future growth, of future change, of future happiness. You know, it's not about being happy today. It's about the, the possibility that if you do these things right today, you're going to be happier tomorrow or more successful or whatever. And the minute that changes, uh, which is what I experienced in 2015 when we had to do the layoffs, all of a sudden we went from like this hotshot startup to like, we're dead in a year. Like no one believed in us, you know? Because uh, like when you do layoffs, like very few companies ever survive like around a layoff. That's sort of like the death meal. And, you know, it was like, you know, my happiness tanked, you know, and I needed to find, okay, what, like, how can I reset mentally? How can I get back to a point where I am going up into the right again? And I can't do that with my business currently because it's just not that answer for me right now. And that luckily now today it is again, but you know, it was like, okay, I can start writing. I can write every day. That's something I can control and I can get better at. I'm up into the right on my writing. I can draw every day. I can draw pretty consistently. I can get better at drawing. I'm drawing up into the right every day. And that lesson I think has totally sort of stuck with me. And so it's always like Gumroad's going to go roughly up into the right. That's great. But personally I need to be going up into the right. And it's not about just getting more Twitter followers. It's, a, it's like about how can I become a better writer, a better storyteller, a better painter, a better drawer. Um, how can I meet more interesting people? Um, those are all super, super important. And those things never go away. You know, I think if you're living life the right way, like you're never going to hit a ceiling. You're going to die feeling like, man, I could have, I wish I had more time and maybe you will, who knows like what comes next. Right. Um, but I think really to me, it's always about like an experiential thing. Life is an experience that you are. It's a thing that you are experiencing. That is what your life is. It's just a set of experiences. And I, I need to constantly be putting myself in a position to have more and more interesting experiences. And there are always more, you know, it's kind of like a concentric circle, right? Where like, you're, you're this big. And so the experiences that you have 
are like the ones around it, right? The sort of the circumference. And as that circle grows, like it's not that much bigger, but this circumference is way bigger. It's two pi r, you know? So it's double, it's six times bigger, right? Than, than whatever. And so you're, you're, it's always about whatever the math is, right? Uh, but, you know, it's always about that. It's like, how can I leverage this? The, the, I, think, the, I think maybe that's like the sort of the takeaways. Like, how do I leverage what I have now into a larger thing and a more interesting experiences? Um, like, I want to look back and be like 40,000 followers. That's nothing compared to the 100,000. Not because I want 100,000 followers, but because of the things that I was able to do in that time and the people I was able to meet. And, and talk to and grow and the product features we were able to ship and the company milestones and the creators we were able to help that sort of the, the, the hundred thousand is just like a, a, a gut check. Like, am I doing the right thing? Okay. Yes, I am. Because clearly there's like some social accountability here. There's an external check on, on what I'm doing. Hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, that's, it's not the goal. It's just a, a, a it, it should be a byproduct basically. Right. If you're, if you're building a really interesting company and you have interesting stories to tell and you're, you're meeting interesting creators and you're taking your conversations with creators and turning them into content for other creators to learn and benefit from. If you do those things, if I do those things, inherently I will hit all of those other things. Um, but if I think about those other metrics, if I wake up tomorrow, I'm like, okay, I, I, I don't have to work today. I'm just going to tweet <laughs> or come up with tweets, right? And I just sit on my an Apple notes and I just think of tweets all day. I won't even get close to what I did, would have if I just did the other stuff, you know, because it's always more effective as a byproduct. It's always more authentic as a byproduct. Marketing is always more authentic if it's not what you're doing. If it's just the byproduct of what you are already sort of in the, in the process of, right? Like when I wrote that post on uh, building Gumroad um, on, on Medium, um, you know, I think at this point, 600,000 people have read it, like just like this insane amount of people. And if I wrote it as marketing, if I was like, Hey, I'm going to sit down and see how many people I can get to read about Gumroad, it would have been way worse and probably less than 50,000 people would have read it, you know? Um, but it's just being authentic, being honest, just purely telling your story and having faith that all the other stuff that you really want will happen, that people will engage, that marketing, the marketing will happen, that people will buy your book. If Because I think the minute you don't have faith and you try, it's like, a, it's like blood in the water. Like everybody knows. It's super obvious. You know, it's very obvious when someone's on Twitter trying to gain their, just to like sort of grow their base. And, uh, and, and people, those people don't stick because they're going to go to the next person that's trying to grow their base, you know? Um, and what I want is people that will like follow me for life, right? That I have people that have followed me on Twitter for eight years, you know, and they'll tell me like, man, I remember when you had like 600 followers and I, those are the people I want because I know when I need help, if I ever have a product of my own for sale on Gumroad, like those are the people that are going to be first in line to buy my book. It's those, that's my community, right? It's like my family, my friends, you know, they, and then it, it grows from there. And like, sure, I might have a lot of Twitter followers, but like, you know, 20,000 of them, who, like they have no relationship, you know, to me. Um, they might in 10 years and I'm going to work on, and, but then I'll have 200,000 followers and then I'll have these 20,000 that feel like they knew me from back in the day. Right. And so it's always about moving forward because at the end of the day, if you're not, if you don't stay interesting um, and, and like people, people will surpass you. 
right? Or like if, if you want to be a, an interesting teacher, right? Like this is what, you know, when people say, if you don't, if you can't do teach, right? Um, because if you're, if you're only teaching, what it means is you're a high school level professor or a teacher or college or whatever, and your students are down here. And then in 30 years, you're here and they're there and they don't care about you anymore. And you never want to be in that position, right? You want to be learning faster as a teacher than anyone that you're teaching. And so that's kind of how I think about it. It's like, obviously I want to build Gumroad. I want to make it successful, but I want to actually be better at creating content than any creator on Gumroad. And I can cheat because I can talk to creators all day, which most creators can't even do. You know, it's like literally my job to do that. Um, and so it's kind of like when, when, when I think when people see my engagement on Twitter and they're like, that's, that's insane. I don't understand. Like you don't even, you don't have that many followers yet. You're getting a thousand retweets every day or whatever. It's like, well, I just get to be super authentic about what I'm doing. And if you have that, it's a superpower because I can literally just be honest. People can sense that. Um, and that's what, what strikes people. That's what people want to engage with. When they retweet it, they want to say, hey, this is the kind of stuff that I want to associate myself with. Authenticity, passion, a work ethic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if you don't have that, it doesn't matter how interesting or cool or funny your content is you're not going to have those signals, right? When people buy a pair of Nikes, they're not buying it because of the quality of the shoe. That's hopefully there to some degree, but they're doing it for all these sort of, sort of more subliminal reasons. The, a brand that they associate with, causes that they support, ideas that they're into, stories that they're into. And if you don't have that, like, and, and you know, sometimes people are like, it's stupid, like you're comparing yourself to Nike. And I'm like, well, yeah, because we're all the same. <laughs> when, when, in, my, in someone else's head, I am Nike. Like Nike is over here and then Sahil's over here and Gummer's over here. Chance is over here. We're all, we're all like little dots in like the, in the sky, you know, like stars or something. Um, and then their family is way closer to them, obviously, right? Their family and their, their sort of community is way more important. And it's okay. Like, it's okay to say, look, we're just that to people, to most people. We can still improve people's lives. Um, but to me, it's, it's really, it's, it always comes back to just doing what you think you should be doing, doing something that you love doing. And if you do that, people will gravitate towards you because it's so rare. Like just in, in the world that we live in, most people don't have the opportunity to do what they really love to do. And definitely they don't, most people don't have an opportunity to do what they love to do and then get paid for it. Right. And so if you can do that inherently, you're just so interesting to people because that's the ultimate, that's the dream, you know? Um, so if you have that, then it's all just about, it's easy because all you have to do is like talk about, it's like a diary. It's like treating Twitter as a diary. Like dear diary today, I did what I loved. It was really fun. I worked really hard. I learned this. <laughs> <laughs> and then boom, like that's the stuff that is super successful. You know, obviously you can reformat it a little bit for the context, the medium. Right. But that's sort of inherently what, what people are doing. And those are the things that, that work, you know, they're the things that are super open and they're, and they're very sort of, this is a day in the life of, you know, it's not like I was on a private plane today or something like that. It was like, Hey, I, you know, realize this thing that everyone can benefit from, or like, isn't it weird that we call a boxing ring a ring, even though it's a square shape. Like those are the things that make you just a human being, you know, and you never want to lose that. I think, right. It doesn't matter how famous you get. Um, you always want to stay human. Like you never want to get just for your own personal sanity, I think like I would just never want to be that pompous. Um, but then too, it just, it's just sort of there's business logic behind doing that. People will always engage with the underdog. 
right? And if you sort of, if you become too big, if you become too successful, people will stop engaging with you because you're, le- you're not human anymore. Uh, Bill Gates is like, a, is like a, an idol, a god, a demigod or something, you know, at this point. Um, he doesn't have, you know, he, you know, a lot of people know who he is. I'm, he's one of my heroes. Um, but he's not the type of person where I'm like, yeah, I really want to engage. I'm not going to reply to him on Twitter because I know he's not reading that stuff, right? Um, you know, he probably hires some dude uh, to do that. So, yeah, I don't know. Those are my thoughts on that. That's nice. You know, I, I just have a couple quick responses and then uh, I'll, those are kind of be my final thoughts, I think. And then I'll kick it over to you and um, we can, can kind of get some, get some thoughts for the, for the listeners out of you and, and then we'll wind it yeah. down. But cause totally. you know, we've been going, we've been going a good long time and there's a lot of stuff in here for people to analyze and parse out. Wouldn't want to overwhelm with too much brain gold, but, <laughs> <laughs> but look, man, one of the things you talked about is the is like the sharing of yourself, you know, the, the being open about who you really are as a person. And I'll give you just a concrete example today. As I said, I've been researching memetics and narrative and stuff. And you learn some things, you learn some tools along the way, and I've been putting them to the test on my timeline. If I do this and this and this, I think this is going to work. And then boom, it's like, okay, this got, you know, uh, 300 likes and 100 retweets. And I, and I did that three days in a row or something. Okay. But, you know, I just used those tools and then I said some things and I wanted to see if it worked. It did. Sure. Um, and then it's like, okay, well, did these work on people? Like if I, if I single out an individual and target them with these tools, can I get engagement from them or can I drive engagement to them in the ways that I want? Check. So I was running some experiments today and um, I was running some experiments with larger accounts to see, like, okay, I'm using these tools to lure in their engagement, but who's getting the most engagement after I lure them in? You know, they retweet my stuff and then it goes on to their followers and who's like, who's, who's driving the most traffic, I wonder. And I ran mm-hmm. that experiment today and it was very interesting, but at the same time, I shared a, just a, I, I cashed in 10 bucks off of this podcast today and I made mm-hmm. a little, video, I made a little thread about it. Like, you know, look, it's 10 bucks. But 10 bucks is 10 bucks. I made way more money than almost anybody ever has made from podcasting. And it's just mm-hmm. the first result. And then I had a little picture of my growth chart and it's angled like this, you know, it's just like, you. And mm-hmm. people love that, you know, because they've been following along. And my story was like, I'm a knucklehead, but, I, but then I fixed my knuckleheadedness to a certain extent. And now here I am succeeding. And then I said, hey, I'm going to write a book. And then I wrote it. And people went, that's cool, Chance. Good job. I'm going to buy it. And then I said, hey, I'm going to start a podcast. And then I started it. And then I stepped back. I was like, I don't, I was doing a different thing. And I realized I don't have enough time to do this, nor am I very good at it now. And it's going to take some time. And I don't want to challenge people's patience like that. Uh, and so I stopped. And then I thought, you know what? I miss doing this. I just really want to have conversations with people. I don't want to have to overtly edit it. I'm not Jad Abumrad. I'm not going to make Radio Lab. You know, I just, I don't have the skill set or the patience at the time. So, I started just interviewing people that I like because they're interesting or fascinating or talented. And everybody's just like, yeah, keep doing it. Okay, cool. And then they actually listened. And then I got more and more interesting people to come on and to continue to come on. And, you know, it's a gift to me. You being here is a gift to me because I'm interested in what you do and I'm on your platform. And um, it turns out, you know, you're living just 15 minutes away from me, basically. And I was like, hey, that's cool, man. But my point is, if you just choose in, 
and you're genuine and you're honest and you're open with the people. Hey, this is what I want to do. And look, I'm doing it and it's humble beginnings, but Hey, I just passed a thousand listens. And then within like two weeks, Oh, it's like, Hey, um, it took me two months to get to a thousand listens. And now three weeks later, I've got another thousand listens or, you know, and then, you, and then you, you, you're like, look guys, it's not just you. Like you're with me cause you're my friend, but it turns out I got a lot of friends and they're telling their friends about it. And, and all these guests are telling their, and, and now I'm building this community and you know, that DM group is full of almost everybody I've had on this podcast. And that's a wild place in there. There's a lot of strong personality, mm-hmm. but there's things coming out of it. People are teaming up and making little business ventures out of it and stuff. And it's fun to see that. And that would never have been possible had I not been willing to come out and say, Hey, these are the demons that I've confronted these are the things that I've faced. These are the ways that I've overcome it. And now I'm doing these things that I'm interested in. And if I can do it, if Chance the Knucklehead can do it, you can do it. If I can start a podcast, you could start a podcast. If I can write a book, you can write a book. And having that kind of story like, hey, that could be my story. That's one of the things I just want to leave people with. It's like, look, we're all pretty much the same. Maybe you're way more successful than me. But the difference between you and me and the success is just a series of small changes maybe that you made or that your parents made or whatever that, that led you to be where you're at. But if you don't start making those small changes, you'll never get anywhere besides depressed and lonely. But if you just say, people, yeah. I, want, I want your support and I want you to help me, they'll be more than willing to do that. So, so I guess those are kind of my final thoughts. And just to, you know, I kind of always do this thing at the end of the podcast and I just say, hey, you've been talking to Chance. So Hill and Chance have been having a conversation, but people listen to this. And, you know, they're usually young people trying to learn things to develop themselves. And you talk, mm-hmm. you just said, you know, you talk to creators all day and you have these kind of conversations. And I just wonder if one of these young people who wants to make something of themselves is sitting across from you and you're looking them in the eyes, what are the one or two things you would tell them that they could get the most bang for their buck in their lives and, you know, the most progress made out of the one or two things you would suggest? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think one, one thing to understand is like how accessible people are on the internet. I think people don't really realize through Twitter DMs, through emails, through public at replies on Twitter, and probably a myriad of other ways I don't even know. Like, I think people sort of don't shoot the shots. Like, I think people get scared. And it's okay to be scared, right? Like, I'm not telling people to go up and puff their chest. I'm actually telling them to do the opposite and to be, to ask for help. Like, it's okay to ask for help. And actually people love it. Like people love, if someone emails me and says, Hey, I'm a big fan. I'd love to jump on the phone for 30 minutes. My answer is always like, how can I help you? You know, can I help you? Um, And it's, you know, not because I, you know, I don't like just shooting the shit with people. I don't mind it, but it's like, I have a limited time. I would love to help if I can. I want to spend my time making the world better. And if you can tell me, if, if I can guarantee that, I will be happy to jump on the phone or answer an email or whatever. And I think sometimes people don't realize that, like that it's actually okay to sort of ask for help. It's not a waste of my time. Um, setting an agenda-less meeting and saying, hey, let's just catch up for 10 minutes. To me, that's a waste of time because I have no context. I have no sort of way to prime myself, do research ahead of time. Um, and so I, I don't know. I always try to tell people like, it's just super important to know what you want. Like have a plan. That's the other thing is when you tell me what you need help with, what it tells me is you have a plan. Like you, you, ha- you, you have a, a series of things you need to do or that you know you need to do. And I'm one of those things. And that's great because what, I, what it means is I'm participating in your story instead of like I am your story. You are just 
your whole day is like, I need to talk to this person. And to me, like, that's not interesting to me. That's a little weird. You know, um, I want to see, I mean, just like if you have a podcast, you want, you want a story, you want people on the thing, you want a history. Um, it's just more interesting. People want to be part of someone else's success. I want to feel like if this person ever becomes massive, that I was like one of the early people or whatever, you know? Um, and people want to feel that about everyone that they're, that they hang out with. Um, everyone has their own trajectory and, and you want to participate in, in the trajectories that you think have potential. You don't want to hang around with a bunch of deadbeats all the time. Um, I think that's the other thing is, you know, like life will hand you a set of cards. Uh, it's up to you to play the cards. Not everyone has the same cards. Some people have much better hands, much worse hands. Um, you know, depending on your belief system, you might think that like your gender, your race, your age, where you grew up, the languages you speak factor into that. Um, but I think the most important thing is that you take agency and control and you try because it doesn't matter if these things affect you, if you're not even going to try it. You know, I think as you said, like you can't know what you think or something, right. But until you write about it or read about it or write produce content, basically like you need to be, you don't really know what you believe or think until you start talking and externalizing those thoughts. Cause when they're in your head, they're just this like weird abstract matter. You don't, you know, you know, I, I use this test with people. I tell them like picture a triangle and they're like, Oh yeah, I'm picturing a triangle. And I'm like, okay, cool. What color is the triangle? And they're like, what? <laughs> it's like, well, you weren't picturing a triangle then you were thinking you were, but you did, if it doesn't have a color, there's no way you could, there's no triangle, right? That's sort of an essential property of a shape. And so I think it just, it's so important to like, if you have thoughts and ideas, get them down somewhere outside of your head, um, get feedback on them, make them better. And then start, like start tweeting, start sharing, because you want a, you want a story. And the earlier you start the story, the better. You're always going to regret it. Like, I don't know anyone that's like, man, I wish I started tweeting later. I started, I, I wish I started writing later. I've never heard that. I've talked to thousands and thousands of creators. And inherently, it's always, I wish I started sooner. I didn't realize how easy it was going to be. Um, I didn't realize there was an audience for whatever I was making. Um, I didn't realize like if I put in the time and communicated well and, and, and cared a lot about being successful that I would be in the top 5%. I didn't realize that. Um, and so for me, it's so much of it is just like, know where you stand. Like most people, they're not average because they're stupid. Most people are just busy. Like they have other stuff going on in their life. They have other priorities. And if you really prioritize being a creator, being a full-time creator, writing a book, doing a podcast, whatever it is, you need to prioritize it because, and if you do prioritize it, you will be ahead of the game immediately. You can see this when you go to the gym, you know, I went to start going to the gym. I'm not like the most fit person ever, but I went to the gym and within a year, which is not a crazy amount of time, right? Going like three times a week for an hour, you know, like not insane, right? You do the math three times 52 hundred, let's say 200 hours rounded up. That's not a lot of time. 200 hours is not that much time. Um, I entered the gym as like the weakest person in the gym and I left the gym a year later, probably in the top 25%, right? There are obviously people that are huge, gigantic, killing it, but it doesn't take a lot to kind of get past the, the people that are just going once a week or just going for fun. And there's nothing wrong with going for fun, but if you truly want to excel at your craft, you can like, it's not that difficult. I have a friend who just started weightlifting a few years ago and he's already competing in professional weightlifting tournaments because he does it. He just does the work and it just turns out that people typically don't. And if you're willing to, 
you're, you can be successful. Success is a lot closer, I think, than most people think. And it's incremental. It's not, it's not like one day I was successful, you know? It was August 21st, 2014. It was like, no, it's a journey. You can all, it's a spectrum and you can always get better. You can always improve your relationships and your craft and your, your, you know, your engagement with your audience. Um, and it's, it's just about getting better and making sure that you're, you're on a path. You sort of know roughly where that path is headed towards and you feel good about it. And you prioritize the, the important things in your life, whether that's your sleep, your family, um, your health, your work. Um, I'm not going to say you need to work 80 hours a week or you need to work four hours a week or whatever. You know, people can decide what their goals are for themselves, but just make sure you know those things, externalize them, share publicly. And everyone I know has, that has done that three years later and, and continue to do that, right, um, has done it. Like basically perfectly, right? Just even within this group, a chance with Jose, um, with Chris Johnson, with, you know, with AJA, like it just, you do the work and you make it work for you because you do the work. Those people see you doing the work. They see most people not doing the work, frankly, so that, you know, it, it helps uh, an insane amount. Um, and they'll help you out. They'll, they'll boost you, you know, um, because they, they were boosted by somebody else. Everyone's had help. No one does this alone. Um, it would be impossible and probably boring. Um, so yeah, I just think, you know, keep on keeping on, don't give up and do, you know, do the work and just realize doing the work's not easy, but it's, but, but it is a differentiator, frankly, like most people don't do the work. And if you do the work, you will stand out. So good I luck. like that. And that's, that's a great, that's a great bit for people to hear. Um, and I just want to add one little thing to the tail end of what you said. And it's a little piece of wisdom that my friend Jack Murphy taught me. And it's lead with service or, you know, like if you want to reach out to somebody, sure. Jose is accessible. Sure. Chris wants to help you. Sure. You want to help. Sure. I want to help. But mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who want our help. There's a lot of people who want their help. There's a lot of people who want everybody's help. If you can show up and say something nice or, you know, buy the book or, or um, comment on the blog or have a tweet with an, you know, with the at name and then something nice about them or that you watch their movie or you, you know, you appreciate this about what they're doing. Show like, Hey, I'm actually paying attention to you and I appreciate you. They go, Oh, okay. This person actually knows who I am and is not, you know, like maybe they want something from me. They probably do. Cause you get to a certain point, everybody wants yeah. something, but okay. They want something from me, but um, is it purely a selfish thing or, you know, are they willing to play the game? Because like you said, most people don't, most people won't do stuff. And if you do stuff and you're nice about it, boy, it's amazing how many doors will open up to you instantly. And then all you have to do is just yeah. do the work. It's great. So look, this has been awesome. This has been a great podcast. There's so much in here and you can tell that you're very experienced and practiced at talking about these subjects, you know, it just flows right out of you. So I just want to say thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast and to share your wisdom with me. Uh, frankly mostly and then with the audience secondary because you know, like i always tell people i started this podcast because i wanted to talk to you people and it was the only way i could convince anybody to do it <laughs> but look very very much thank you i'm grateful and uh why don't you remind the people who you are where they can find you on the internet and um then we'll close her out awesome yeah i mean you can you can find what most most of my you know most of my time is spent working on a thing called gumroad you can check that out at gumroad, G-U-M-R-O-A-D.com. We help creators like Chance 
sell content, earn a living doing what they love. That's the goal. And I get to do that. I get to earn a living doing what I love. So that's nice too. Um, and then my personal stuff is just really Twitter. Um, my handle is at SHL. Um, so you can just follow me on, on there. Um, yeah. Very good. Well, this is Logo Centrifugal Podcast. Chance, Sahil, we are out.